morning, friends. Go Chiefs. My name is Dylan Meyer. I'm the youth pastor here. Um, I'm going to echo some of the thank you. There's not a lot of youth pastors get an opportunity to speak um, to you and share their heart um, to you guys the way that I do. And so thank you for putting up with me. Um, we've been in, in this, this series for a couple weeks now. God's had it on my heart for a long time. Um, this, was, this was stewing um, September, early November, somewhere in there. Um, and so I'm just, I'm just thrilled um, that God's created a space for me to share my heart and his heart in this. And so thank you. Um, so we've been looking at this life that we need. The, the idea here is that, that God has a particular design for how we should live life. And if we would walk in his ways and with his will, it wouldn't be easier, but it'd be better. It'd be better. Um, and I think better is better than easy, yeah? Um, and so we've been looking at, at how we structure our relationships and understanding um, how we love our enemies and how relationships play into that. We've looked at generosity and how offering God our finances and, and being good stewards of all of the blessings that he's given us um, creates this, this way that we live our life. And then last week we looked at um, how being disciplined and God gives us such freedom and the blessings in that. This week, we're going to be talking about balance. Balance. What image comes to your mind when you think of balance? Is it balancing scales? Is it a gymnast walking on a balance beam? Is it the last person you saw trip and fall over and you laughed quietly because you felt bad, but it was funny? Here's some of the images that come to my mind. A swing. See, there's, there's a swing in my front yard at my parents' house when I was growing up. And my siblings and I would go out there, and this, the swing was tied to the, tied to the tree limb above it. And, and we'd sit down in that swing, and we'd twist it, and twist it, and twist it, and then let go. And whoever was sitting there would just spin and spin and spin and spin and it'd wrap itself up the other way and then it'd spin the other way. And, and then as soon as it came to a stop, that person would stand up and run and take off and see how close they could get to our target, to the landing zone. What was the landing zone? The concrete sidewalk. Um, the good news is nobody ever made it. Nobody ever made it there. Um, but balance, it, it didn't matter how hard you ran, you weren't going to get there because there was no balance. It had nothing to do with effort. Balance was the issue. The other image that comes to mind is a motorcycle. I don't know if you guys noticed, but it's Kansas, and so it's terrible cold, and then it's like 60 for like a day or two. And so yesterday, um, we just recently got my motorcycle back from the shop. We dropped it off in early September, and it, like, had the plague. I don't know. But we just recently got it back this, this last weekend. And, of course, it was like 60 yesterday. And so what a beautiful day to go for a ride. And so I went for a ride, and I was reminded of how important balance is. When you have two wheels instead of four, it's a whole different kind of thing. Whole different kind of thing. And it reminded me of when my wife and I were dating um, I had a Harley Davidson Sportster. <laughs> I should have waited for her to leave the room. Um, 
and she wanted to ride my motorcycle, and I thought, well, this would be cute. They do it in Hallmark movies, um, and so I, I sat behind her and reached around so that I could hold the handlebars and the clutch and, and, the, and the brakes, thank gosh, um, and we were just going to go around the parking lot, but what I didn't realize is my wife grew up with four-wheelers, and, and so when you steer a four-wheeler, you turn. When you steer something on two wheels, you lean. This idea of balance. And so we got to the first turn, and she just went to crank that sucker. And I yanked it the other direction, and she was mad. She said, why won't you let me steer? I said, you don't steer by turning. You steer with balance. She has not, not um, driven a motorcycle since then. Um, that's a good thing. But balance. Balance is important. Balance after you get off of a swing is, is the thing keeping you from running into a concrete sidewalk. That was a blessing in disguise. Balance on a motorcycle is the difference between riding on tires and riding face first on the pavement. Balance is a simple concept, really, and it's incredibly important. But it's harder to achieve than what we often think. It seems simple, and our pursuit of balance and the way that we live our life is sometimes just barely out of reach. You see, because we live life a lot of times out of balance. We live life overworked. We live life overwhelmed. We live life overstimulated. We live life, and all of these things that we face in life sometimes knock us off balance. And I know that you've experienced this because I've experienced this, where you're having a great day, and then you have one bad encounter, and then the whole rest of your day is just a little off. Maybe it's a bad encounter with a person Maybe it's just something as simple as you stubbed your toe on the kitchen island in the morning and you swear you broke it, but <laughs> don't want to go check it out. One bad encounter throws your whole day off. Or maybe you just had a bad day and it throws your whole week off. And it compounds the way that one thing can throw lots of things off balance. And there's one thing that... I love to hate to bring up, and that's something that we've probably all become overly aware of, is that one pandemic can throw a lot out of balance. You see, because we hate to admit it because we're so sick of talking about it. 2023, can't we be done with this thing? But we continue to deal with the symptoms of COVID shaking us out of balance. We continue to deal with what we're now realizing is a global trauma. That kind of disruption knocked everybody out of balance. And we're still piecing things together, but now it's just different. It's off balance. See, one of the symptoms of that is that there's a mental health crisis. There is an overwhelming statistic of how COVID has either affected or at least created space for mental health crisis to come to the surface. I don't know if it was already there and we were just ignoring it or if COVID is the true cause of this, but 
But as of recent, the stats are that half of Americans say that they have recently dealt with symptoms of an anxiety or depression disorder, not simply a moment of anxiousness, but symptoms of a disorder of anxiety. Not just a moment of sadness or depression, but, but symptoms of a depression disorder. See, there's a crisis that is being elevated. This, this need for awareness and, and this out of balance factor of mental health is, is on the rise. And God speaks to this. And we're going we're gonna to flesh this out. I, mental health can be a touchy subject. And so I want to preface with a few things just to make sure that we come in this with the right heart. One, I am not a mental health professional, okay? I, I, I spent my week reading scripture and checking with people that are smarter than me, trying to understand what they think of mental health and what God thinks of mental health. When we dive into this passage, this passage is in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus speaks to anxiousness. And so I want to preface, I am not a mental health professional, my wife is studying, and right now I'm a counselor. Um, she's seeking her master's in counseling, and so am I a little bit guilty by association? Yes. But I am not a mental health professional, and so I want to lead with that, and that I think, really, this is a rule of thumb. You should always check me, okay? I do my due diligence to make sure that I understand what I'm saying, but you should check me. You should check me against Jesus, because if I say something that disagrees, obviously listen to him. And then tell me about it so that I can fix it. Okay? Always check me. Always check me. My preference is that you would go to Jesus before you go to Google. <laughs> but check me. And so when we, we look at this passage, Jesus addresses anxiousness in this way. We pick up at verse 25, and Jesus addresses the people, and he says these things. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We're going to flesh this out a touch. Something I want to lead with, though, is, is we're, as we look at this, we're going to look at a few key words, two of them in particular. The first one, anxious. The second one, life. Okay? Um, the first one, I want, I want to dive in just briefly on this thought of anxious. I do think that it is 
it is different and how Jesus addresses this that he's speaking to anxiousness rather than anxiety there is some difference here anxious is a moment anxiety is something more anxiety as a disorder is something that affects the way that you function in daily life it's a continuous it's a constant thing it's not merely just a moment and, I, and I've heard it explained this way, um, that it's like you wake up going 100 miles an hour. Or, or as our, our drummer pointed out to me between services, it's like you wake up and there's like amplifying music that like gets you going and it's just constantly there. I've also heard it described this way. Um, when we, as a youth group, every year we go to Worlds of Fun. And one of the first things that we do is we go to the Mamba. It's the biggest roller coaster in the park. And I hate heights, like tremendously. Um, and we get on the Mamba, and we start climbing that giant hill. And every click, I'm like, oh. And as we go, and as we go, the, the apprehensiveness, the, the anticipation begins to build. The closer we get to the top, the more white my knuckles get, the more my blood's pumping, my heart rate rises, and I'm standing on edge, and then by the time we get to the top, I don't know why we do this, we always sit in the front row. And so you start to hang over the edge, and you're looking straight down, but the tail end of the coaster hasn't caught up yet. So you're just staring. And your heart is pumping, and you're so tense, and, and you're overstimulated with what is about to happen. Anxiety is waking up that way, eating breakfast that way, doing the laundry that way. And so when Jesus speaks to this, I think he's speaking to anxiousness. I think there is a difference between anxiousness and anxiety in this instance. And so Jesus speaks, and, and the word he uses in the Greek, that's the original text, and so I oftentimes check back with that because sometimes we lose things in translation. It's accurate in Scripture, but sometimes there's more depth to it. We can thicken that word and understand that it, it maybe has more than just one meaning, and so it, it fits, but maybe there's more to it. And, and with this word, anxious means also to worry. That seems appropriate, right? But it also means to care for. And this is where things get tricky. This is where the word thickens a little bit because anxious, we can agree, can be a bad thing. To worry can be a bad thing. To care for, hmm, that seems fuzzy. You see, because um, my grandma worries, right? When we were kids, we would go out in our front yard and we'd do all kinds of stupid things. And her, her house was just next door and her kitchen window overlooked the primary setting for most of our stupid things and so it would snow and ice and then my brother would go out and we'd get in the Polaris Ranger and we'd do donuts in our driveway and she would just sit there and worry and we knew that when we did something real dumb she, we would reach a point of no return and she would come out and she'd stand on her front porch and she'd shake her finger at her shake her finger at us and that was the that was the clue you've done too much time to go inside you see, but she worried. Why? Because she cared. The intention was, was always because she cared for us. And so when we worry, oftentimes I think it's because we care. You see, because we care for ourselves, we care for others, 
We care for our family. We care for our friends. We care for our nation. We care for our city and our communities. And because of this, sometimes we worry. We worry about our needs. And are physical needs important? Yeah. Is my body more than food? Absolutely. Does it feel better when something's in the tank? 100%. Is my body more than clothing? Absolutely. But here in like a day and a half, when it goes back to terrible cold, I'm going to enjoy some clothing. Physical needs matter. We worry because we care. The second word I want to look at is life. And so this particular word in the Greek, it, it speaks to life, but there's two words in Greek often used for life. This one is actually most often used when speaking of soul. And so we're going to flesh this out a little bit. Point to where your soul is. Where is your soul? What do you think that is? Oftentimes we think it's the spirit. We're going to flesh this out in some, in some circles. Um, we think it's, it's our heart, it's our will, it's our innermost being. That's our soul. Where our heart's desire is is where our soul resides. We think that's what we often think. It's also our mind. You see, because our mind affects our heart. These, these things all from the outside continue to affect inside. And, and I, if something is knocking you off balance in your mind, it affects everything. And this is what I mean. When you lay down at night, do you ever have that list of things that you wish you could just get to stop? You lay down and all you want to do is go to sleep and all your brain wants to do is rehash the day, the month, the year. You're ready to go to bed and, and instead you're sitting there thinking, oh, did I turn all the lights off? Did I lock the door? Did I do the laundry? And, and that just kind of like stirs into you, in you and, until you have to get up and go check. Or maybe you're sitting there thinking, do we have enough money to pay mortgage this month? Are we going to be able to pay the bills for our utility? Are we going to be able to afford to send the kids to the, to the doctor if they need it because sickness is running rampant? Is that what keeps you up at night? Are you worried? Are you stressed? Does that affect your mind? Or are you overstimulated? Oftentimes I feel like the reason that I can't sleep is because my phone's still in my hand. I'm just sitting there being overstimulated, scrolling and scrolling, scrolling constantly throwing something into my brain to think about and it knocks me off balance or maybe it's your body the next thing the next part of our soul is our body see and health is important here and i want to make it very clear that when jesus speaks to this i don't think jesus is saying you have to have a six-pack i think jesus is saying that you have to be healthy those are two very different things part of health is rest. Rest is a big deal. I spent like six to eight months a couple years ago working on sleep hygiene, having good rest. And there's lots of reasons why. One, you can't function without sleep. Your brain doesn't work. If you have lack of sleep, you hit a brain fog. It is tough. Coffee doesn't fix that. The only thing that coffee does is it releases a hormone that blocks the chemical saying you're tired. Coffee doesn't wake you up. It just tells your brain you're not tired. And so if you don't sleep, you don't rest. 
and it's important that you get good rest because your brain has things it needs to do when it shuts down. One of those things is that when you reach a deep sleep, it takes and it files away all of the important memories for the day. And then it washes everything else away. And so if you don't reach that deep sleep, you lose the stuff that's important and you keep the stuff that's not. And so you walk into tomorrow with all of yesterday's issues. You need rest, sleep, hygiene. And then we had a baby. The next thing of, of health is food. Food is good, okay? Food is so good. It's also important that you treat it like fuel. You need to put in something that's gonna do you some good. Don't get me wrong, I love to sit there with a sleeve of Oreos and peanut butter and a glass of milk and just go to town. That's good stuff. But it doesn't feel the same as if I eat a sleeve of Oreos as it does when I eat a well-rounded meal. Because when you eat junk, it, it burns quickly and it burns cheap. When you put good food in your body, you're running on something of value. It's a simple thing, but it matters. Exercise. Exercise can be an important thing for keeping your body in balance. And what I mean by that is when you exercise, it releases endorphins. When you exercise your body, it cares for your brain. Everything outside works inside. And here's the other thing, and this may or may not apply, but it hit me this morning. And, and I'm going to refer to you guys like I would refer to my dogs, and I promise it's not personal. But this is what I mean. When my dogs have tons of energy because they haven't exercised, they do dumb things. They chew on shoes. They chew up our burp rags. That's a current issue. You have a big enough dog, probably eats your couch. I mean, when they have too much energy, they waste it doing something unproductive. And so my question is, when we haven't exercised our body in a productive way, where does that energy go? Is it going to something productive, or is it going to something that's going to throw us out of balance? Our body matters to our mind. Our mind matters to our spirit. The next layer of the soul is our social environment. You see, all of these things affect everything. And so when I think of our social environment, I think of relationships. Being in balance means having healthy relationships. If I have a relationship that's unhealthy, if somebody's got beef with me and they've talked to me about it, it eats me up. Part of that is I'm a peacemaker by heart. And so I want to be right with people. And if I'm not, it consumes me. It makes me anxious. It throws me out of balance. And so we need to have healthy relationships with the people in our sphere. It's also important to understand how you function socially. I'm going to throw out a couple words here. Introvert, extrovert. Okay? It's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's how you're wired. Okay? And, and I've heard it explained this way. Um, because a lot of times people think that if you're an introvert, you just hate people. It's not true. And a lot of people think that if you're an extrovert, it means that you're just like happy-go-lucky all the time. That's not entirely true. I've heard it explained this way. An introvert wakes up in the morning with zero. Sorry. An introvert wakes up in the morning with five tokens. And every time they encounter somebody and have an interaction, they hand over a token. 
they end the day with zero, they rest, they recharge by themselves, and then they start the day next with five tokens. An extrovert starts the day with nothing. And every time they encounter somebody, they go, ooh, I got another token. I get another token. And they end the day with five. They, they rest and recharge by being with people. It refills them. Okay? It's important to understand how you function so that you can plan and balance that accordingly. I'm an introvert. It's not about what you have. It's how you leverage it. Okay? I rest and recharge by myself, and so I need to make sure that I hang on to those tokens so when I run into somebody it needs to, and it needs to be a meaningful encounter, I have something to offer. I also married an extrovert, so when we go to parties or we go see people, I just let her do all the talking, and I just sit and listen. It's not about what you have. It's how you leverage it. The way you move through your social life affects everything. The last circle here is the soul. The soul accompanies all of these things, embodies all of these things, is all of these things in entirety. Your soul is affected by all of this because your soul is your life. See, God desires us to be balanced. He says, don't be anxious. He wants us to be balanced. We've been talking several times in this series about how God desires us to be perfect and holy and whole, complete, just as he is. And that's what balance is about. is isn't removing everything or, or saying yes to everything. It's about a balance of what is within his will. And a lot of times we think, especially when it comes to a balance scenario, that it's either one thing or it's the other thing. It's either or. And the truth of the matter, especially when it comes to this, is understanding that it's a both and. Balance is about understanding that both and is possible. And we see this in God's character. I'll, I'll give you a for instance. God is gracious, yes? Amen? But God is also a God of truth, amen? Is he either one or the other? Or is he both and? You see, when somebody wrongs us, if we choose grace, we offer them forgiveness, yes? If somebody wrongs us and we offer them truth, that's holding them accountable, yes? They seem to be contradictory, but God asks us to live in perfect balance with both. God is a God of balance. God desires us to live a life of balance, a life of both peace and passion, a life of both grace and truth, a life of both confidence and humility, a life of both care and surrender. You see, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but seek first the kingdom. He says, seek first the kingdom. The key to not being anxious is surrendering that for him. To, to let go of those things that we, so that our hands are open so that we can grab on to him. Seek first the kingdom and then allow him